Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. On this episode, Bishop talks about the corporal works of mercy, focusing in on Feed the Hungry. Hear more about the biblical basis for this Catholic social justice teaching and ways we can respond to the hungry in our communities, our country, and our world. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman here with our bishop, and we've got an exciting topic. I think it's exciting because I think it's something that we don't really talk about a whole lot, but is something that's paramount to our faith and also something I think that crosses the boundaries of of other faiths, of people of no faith, and that is the corporal works of mercy. Mm-hmm. So there's seven corporal works of mercy. Yes. Where do they come from? Well, first of all, I think this is a great topic as we begin the new year and, you know, happy new year to all the listeners. And really, I think you could say they trace back to Jesus's parable of the last judgment in Matthew chapter 25. Okay. Because there you see all of the corporal works of mercy except burying the dead. Uh, But the other six you see there. So Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. And everyone's familiar, I think, with this famous passage. I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me to drink, etc. So the word corporal comes from the Latin corpus, which means bodily. So these are material works. These have to do with physical and bodily needs Mm -hmm. of people. They are charitable actions by which we help our neighbors in their corporal needs. For example, the first one, someone's hungry, Mm -hmm. needs food. And these are basic needs of humanity, really, the corporal works of mercy. I mean, we need food, we need drink, we need shelter, all of those things. And it's really important for us as Christians to take this seriously because Jesus said that this is how we'll be judged. Whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers and sisters, you do to me. So the church has always taught the importance of these works of mercy. I think probably the list, I'm not exactly sure, but certainly by the Middle Ages, there was this list. And originally there were the six, and only later in the Middle Ages did they add burying the dead, which is the only one of the corporal works that's not in the parable of the Last Judgment. Mm We can talk about that as an important corporal work of mercy, obviously. But all this is definitely prominent in sacred scripture. I think often of the famous quote from St. James, his letter, the second chapter, when he says, faith apart from works is dead. So these works are important. If our faith is genuine, then it is shown by our works and by our love. St. Paul even wrote about this. He talked about faith working through charity, faith working through love. So genuine faith is expressed and is living, alive, not dead, when there is love. We can say that love or charity is the source of good works. I mean, it's what motivates us or should motivate us is something in our hearts, and that is love for our neighbor, especially love for the poor. And you can also say, even though love is the source, it's also 
the fulfillment of all our works. Mm -hmm. That's something that St. Augustine said, that love is the fulfillment of all our works. Mm -hmm. I mean, good works are to be done in a supernatural spirit because good works have great power. This is what something from the Second Vatican Council said. Good works have great power to draw people to faith and to draw people to God. We witness to our faith through our actions. It's interesting when you look at the Catechism of the Catholic Church, you find the corporal works of mercy under the seventh commandment, you shall not steal. And there's different parts of that section of the Catechism about thou shalt not steal, and one of the parts is love for the poor. Mm -hmm. And it's under love for the poor that it talks about the corporal works of mercy. We talk about mercy. It's good to remember Jesus saying to the disciples, be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. This should challenge all of us, our consciences, to be merciful. We've experienced God's own mercy in our lives, and then we're supposed to be signs and instruments of mercy toward others. This is part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to be witnesses of mercy. And sometimes it's just small actions, but small actions can have great value. So we experience mercy, we are to show mercy. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. All the saints were men and women of mercy. Pope Francis has talked about how our world has been damaged by the pandemic, by the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And I remember him saying that the world is also damaged by the virus of indifference. Hmm. We can be indifferent to the needs of our neighbors. And the best antidote, vaccine, for this virus, really, are the works of mercy. Can we break down that word mercy? Because I think usually when I think of the word mercy, I think of forgiving somebody, you know, this kind of a spiritual thing where you have mercy on somebody that doesn't, doesn't deserve your forgiveness and it goes beyond kind of this natural grace, I guess. But then with these, it seems to be maybe more closely related to what I would call generosity. Mm -hmm. Or love, because really okay. the word mercy in the scriptures is not just about forgiveness. That's one aspect of uh -huh. mercy. But really the biblical notion of mercy is broader. In the Old Testament, for example, it uses the word hesed as one Hebrew word for mercy, which is about loving kindness, compassion. Mm -hmm. So it's broader than forgiveness. Kind of get the deeper meaning also in the Latin, misericordia. The first part, miseria, misery. Cordia is based on the word the heart. So in a sense, we should have a heart for those in misery. Right. I think during the year of mercy, several years ago, I forgot what year it was, I did speak about this broader notion of mercy. And of course, part of the year of mercy was a focus on the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's good to keep in mind the richer concept. Now, one who has this loving kindness, one who has this compassion, one whose heart is moved by the misery of others, also then is inclined to forgive. Mm -hmm. So forgiveness is part of it.
I kind of started this off talking about how this is something that we might share in common with people of the other face or people of no face. Do you find that to be true that we can debate theological things and even the existence of Jesus or whatever, but what humanity can seem to agree on is a lot of these things that we should be helping people that don't have food to, to have food, these, these kind of basic necessities and others that, that we have an obligation as humans to care for each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunities for ecumenical collaboration mm-hmm. in the corporal works of mercy. We do that here in our own diocese. So there is a commitment, I think, of other Christians also to the works of mercy, even though they may not have the list like we do or be that specific. Mm-hmm. The only other Christian community that I know of that actually has a list are the Methodists. They have huh. a lot of emphasis in the Methodist church for the poor, kind of the social gospel, we can call it. And I think in their list, it's different than ours. Like their first one is doing good. So it's very general. But they do have as one visiting the sick and visiting prisoners. They put okay. that together in one work of mercy. So so there are similarities. Also feeding and clothing people. They put those two okay. together. They list opposition to slavery as a work of mercy. So hmm. it's interesting. There are some parallels, I would say. Yeah. But even some of these large philanthropists, millionaires, billionaires, whatever, that that don't seem to be expressing their faith, see value in things like finding clean water for people or trying to end world hunger and some of these other humanitarian things. So it seems to even transcend Christianity. Yes. And I think it's, in some ways, you can say that it's this part of our human nature is there to recognize, for example, that other people have a right to eat. Mm-hmm. Isn't that part of the natural law? Yeah. So I agree with you on that. It does transcend. But I think what's unique about Christianity is it's very laser focused on this because of Jesus right. and his own example and the parable of the last judgment, mm-hmm. the idea that Christ is present in the hungry and the thirsty and the homeless and the stranger, etc. Right. So there's a new depth, I would say. You know, another thing is, in the early Middle Ages, in some artistic representations of the works of mercy, they would juxtapose each one to one of the capital sins. So on the other side of the coin, the sins, for example, the sin of avarice or greed, Mm -hmm. clearly that deadly sin is the opposite of the generosity that we're called to have Mm -hmm. in feeding the hungry, etc., but some of them would be more juxtaposed with spiritual works of mercy. But maybe okay. sometime we can talk about the spiritual works of mercy as well. Yeah, I think that'd be great. We keep talking about Matthew 25 here. And I think maybe it'd be good just for people that maybe forget that story or, or don't realize the connection here. Maybe a quick review on that because it's one of my favorite verses, maybe because it's the most challenging to me. This is a story we have sheep and goats the sheep are the ones that do the will of God and they fed him when he was hungry, which they said, well, when did we see you hungry? And it says, whenever you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And the same things for those who that neglected Jesus. When did we do that? When did we neglect you? Is whenever you did it to the least of these. So we can see that in serving others, we're serving Jesus, but also that he's talking about our salvation there, right? Because the sheep go to heaven and the goats go to hell. And so it's not just... This is a good thing that you can do, but really that we have to do it to get to heaven. Yeah. I mean, that's how important it is. I remember in one of his homilies, St. Augustine 
wrote, I fear the Lord passing by hmm. and I do not notice him. That's holy fear. Yeah. I fear the Lord passing by and I do not notice him. St. Augustine said, I fear that the Lord may pass before me in one of these little people in need, and I do not realize that it is Jesus. I fear that the Lord may pass by without my recognizing him. Hmm. This indifference towards those in need is really indifference to Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's kind of yeah. like makes us think of the parable of the Good Samaritan as well. Right. Those who just pass by, the man who was beaten and laying there on the side of the road, the priest and Levite who walked by were indifferent right. to their neighbor. It was the Samaritan who showed mercy. Right. Well, and just personally, I can look at myself and say, well, I go to mass every Sunday. You know, I believe in the teachings of the church. I'm trying to raise my kids in the faith. I think I'm a good person generally. But then whenever I see all this list of things, like this is what you have to do to get to heaven. This is what the sheep do. And they go to heaven. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how well I'm doing on that list. So I think this will be a good thing for us to unpack. And the first one we can take a look at maybe after the break is feeding the hungry. So if you have any questions for Bishop, you are in luck. You can just text your question to the Holy Cross College text line 260-436-9598. And we'll take a look at the first corporal work of mercy, feed the hungry, coming up on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has a special mission to serve the Catholic Church in America. In 2020 alone, we've served over 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. We are a member-owned, not-for-profit cooperative, working hard to create a national Catholic financial alternative to the for-profit banks. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop. We started by talking about the corporal works of mercy in general and thought it'd be good to just kind of do them one by one. So today we'll talk about feed the hungry, which this is, as far as I know, usually listed first in the corporal works of mercy. Is there a reason for that? Is it the most important? Um, well, I think water is probably more important, but I mean, it's necessary for survival. Sure, yeah. sure. I mean, you can go longer without food than without water. That's Correct. what I'm yeah. thinking of. Yeah. But no, they're both really important. And, you know, God's blessed us with an abundant world and where there's more than enough to go around. Mm -hmm. And yet we have a serious problem of, of hunger in the world, the lack of food that people causes suffering for people and even death. Think of all the malnourished children. Mm-hmm. I've seen this with my own eyes, you know, in my CRS trips, especially Ethiopia. And I was so proud of CRS and the distribution of all the food with over 200 distribution centers during a time where it could have been so many tens of thousands of people could have died of hunger if it wasn't for the work of the church and the global community coming to their aid. Mm -hmm. But yet, 
there's urgent needs that aren't being met in different parts of the world when there's a famine mm -hmm. or when it's not just in famine. Sometimes it's because of war and people get displaced and, and things like that. I mean, even now with the war in northern Ethiopia, which is the part where I was at, there are a lot of hungry people and sure. because of the armed conflict. So it's not always natural disasters. It's also human disasters. People who are refugees who are, you know, escaping these situations and their experience of hunger. So this is a worldwide problem and there's a lot of indifference, what Pope Francis has called the globalization of indifference to these wow. situations. You know, Jesus, you know, I think it's significant that one of his great miracles had to do with food, mm -hmm. the multiplication of the loaves and the fish. He multiplied them and because the crowd was hungry. So I think it's significant that Jesus did that miracle. Of course, this was even in the Old Testament. You know, we have one of the Proverbs, you know, in the book of Proverbs says, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. Hmm. So we should think about all the people in the world who go without necessary food. Think of all the food that goes to waste. I think we should really be more careful about that and have good stewardship of practices regarding food. Mm -hmm. You know, we go grocery shopping, and I think we have to be careful that we're not going to be buying so much that it's going to go bad and we have to throw it away when there are so many people who are hungry in the world. So the importance of stewardship. The letter to James, which again is so strong, I mentioned this earlier, you know, faith without works is dead. There's a, another quote in chapter two of St. James's letter where he says, what does it profit, my brethren, if a man says he has faith but has not works? Can his faith save him? If a brother or sister is ill-clad and in lack of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what does it profit? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Hmm. These brothers and sisters of ours in the human family need us. It's really an ethical imperative. I remember in one of his encyclicals, Pope Benedict XVI, talked about the right to food and the right to water, that we need a public conscience that considers food and access to water as universal rights of all human beings without distinction or discrimination. These are provocative words. Now, I have to say, I am really impressed. There's a lot of feeding of the hungry going on in our diocese. We might want to talk a little bit about that, but there's so many practical ways where we can live out this work of mercy. Maybe before we get into that, you talk about these kind of big foreign issues. And sometimes it can be temporary in the case of a famine. Sometimes it's more systemic issues that need to be resolved. How do we balance or look at where to put resources, whether it be a, a temporary fix of giving somebody food versus trying to fix the problem, whether it be education or governmental problem or oppression, or how do we know the right way to approach the problem? We need both. Yeah. I mean, absolutely, we need both. I mean, you can look at Mother Teresa. She was right there on the ground giving food to the poor, the mm -hmm. poorest of the poor. 
So her witness was amazing. And, and we have many who do that right here in our own community, people giving money or food to the food bank, mm -hmm. you know, so there's that direct care because it's an immediate need. At the same time, there are structural reasons oftentimes behind it, not just natural disasters, but, you know, the problem of poverty that is exacerbated. I mean, look at the connection to climate change. Hmm. Our care for the environment is really important because one of the reasons that there's problems regarding food supply is because of the damage to land. Hmm. So you have deforestation and right. you have the destruction of environment that has made land not able to be farmed. Mm -hmm. Or these problems of storms and rising sea levels, et cetera, where people have been displaced and people who were making a living on the land that now they can't. Mm -hmm. So there's an interconnection between a lot of these things. And then corruption as well right. and war and things like that. So all of these things. I also think that we have to be concerned with government policies that affect food security for the poor in our country and around the world and encourage our political leaders to act in the interest of the poorest among us. So that's why we need people to be not only giving help by donating food or donating money to groups that feed the hungry, like Catholic Relief Services or Catholic Charities. But think about how Catholic Relief Services and Catholic Charities are both involved in advocacy mm -hmm. as well right. and addressing the long-term needs. So I encourage people to be educated about policies that affect food security, also to be educated about climate change and how it affects hunger issues mm -hmm. and food security, because we can take action. There's the Catholic Climate Covenant, which I support. There's different things that we can do. So this problem has various dimensions. Yeah. Just looking at CRS, Catholic Relief Services, I don't imagine we would know an exact figure, but what would you guess is the percentage of the work that they do that is food-related, either short-term or long-term, trying to solve world hunger, basically? It's a significant percentage because, for example, our programs in Africa, which are huge, a lot of them are agricultural right. programs or dealing with clean water. Mm -hmm. So, and that's getting to the root problem too, because yeah. it's not just providing food, but, you know, helping people to be able to make a living from the land. Mm -hmm. So... I would say there is a significant amount, as well as providing direct food aid, like I mentioned in Ethiopia, or other places where they have a natural disaster. And that's one thing I really like about CRS, and Catholic Charities as well, is that they also are looking at long-term solutions and development, you know, the whole idea of integral human development. So helping people with job skills, mm -hmm. things like that, like I mentioned in the area of agriculture. Or when I visited El Salvador, CRS there, helping people to be able to make a living with cocoa or with coffee or mm -hmm. whatever. But they have to have advocacy too because you need governments who are going to support this. Right. And also you need action on climate change because if you don't have protection of the environment, then then this becomes difficult, if not impossible. Mm -hmm. 
So you mentioned some of the domestic things that are happening. Can you explain what's happening maybe in our diocese to help feed the hungry? Well, I think a lot of parishes participate. Some have their own food pantry Mm -hmm. or a soup kitchen right across the street from where I live, St. Mary's in Fort Wayne, soup kitchen. Yeah. But a lot are work in tandem with community food banks. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of direct aid that's going on that way. And of course, anyone can financially support these organizations that serve the hungry. Mm -hmm. Others can become involved by volunteering in the distribution. There's so many ways where we can work in this St. Vincent de Paul uh, society. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also ways that even on a more personal level, we can act in solidarity with people who are hungry. For example, fasting. Fasting on Friday and giving maybe that money to St. Vincent de Paul or to the local food bank or soup kitchen. Mm -hmm. So it could become part of really our spiritual life too, that we become more conscious. If we end up throwing some groceries away each week, we have to try to stop that and eliminating waste of food. So there's a variety of ways that we can live this corporal work of mercy of feeding the hungry. You mentioned waste, and I was looking up some stats before we came in here, and I'm not sure the resource here, rts.com has a couple different resources about food stats, and one of them is that food takes up more space in U.S. landfills than anything else. I didn't, wow. And it says, globally, we waste about 1.4 billion tons of food every year. And I think this gets to to what you're saying. I, like, If there were a way... now. Obviously, we have a banana that's gone rotten. It's not like we can now send that to Ethiopia and solve world hunger. But if we can not buy more than we can eat, so we don't have to waste things, that things don't go bad, then those resources get reallocated somewhere else, hopefully to where it's needed. And so I do think that, obviously, wasting food is a huge problem, but I don't know if every American stopped wasting any food, if that solves a problem, but it definitely seemed like it would help. I agree. And I think we can all consider this. I was getting upset with myself a few times where I've gone grocery shopping, especially buying perishable things, uh, fruit and vegetables and stuff like that, milk. You know, I kind of fill up my refrigerator at home in Fort Wayne. And I wasn't really careful and didn't notice on my calendar that in those next two weeks, I was going to be most of my time in South Bend. Mm. So I come back from South Bend and a lot of the stuff was no good anymore. And I just had to throw it away. What a waste that was. Mm -hmm. So now I'm being much more conscious. Yeah. If I go grocery shopping, I'll look at my calendar and say, am I going to be in Fort Wayne these next two weeks? So if I am, I'm not going to buy perishable goods that's going to go bad. So... I guess part of it is just being more conscious, more aware, because sometimes we're not really wasting things on purpose. Mm -hmm. But I think we should become aware. And if we're just being careless and and really don't care about wasting, then we have a real problem. I think that's getting into the area of sin. So you mentioned organizations, Catholic Charities, St. Vincent de Paul, local soup kitchens, your parish might have its own food pantry all different ways that we can donate money, we can donate food, we can offer our time if they need help organizing things or distributing things or 
what about that kind of individual level? And I feel like this is a question that has come up at least once, if not a couple of times in the past listeners submitting questions of what do I do when I see the person asking for food on the side of the road? That kind of more intimate one-on-one encounters that we have whenever we say, when did we feed you? When did we do all these things? Whatever you did it to the least of these. When we have these opportunities to help a person that's in need, I think the skeptic in some of us would say, do they really need the money or is this a scam? Is this something, are they going to apply it to drugs or alcohol and it's not actually going to feed them or their family? What is your advice in these situations? I always try to err on the side of charity because going back to what St. Augustine said, you know, I don't want to pass someone by who's Jesus in the disguise of the poor. And I think it's probably more prudent to, uh, rather than just handing money, buying them food yourself or convenience store nearby, just getting a sandwich if the person is asking for food or needs food. I'd probably say, listen, do you want a sandwich? Sometimes I have little gift cards Uh for, for Burger King or something. So there's things like that. I mean, there are times where I really don't have that possibility and I will give money and not know if they're going to use it for food or not. But probably it's more prudent to actually give them food or a gift card for food. But I want to bring something else up, though, that I think is probably where we need to be more involved because there is so much good things going on with our food pantries, et cetera. But I really don't think we're doing enough on the advocacy side. I mentioned Mm -hmm. it earlier. I just don't think we're educated enough in some ways. I've become much more educated through CRS. But, you know, I think when it comes to, for example, international aid, you know, there could be a bill before Congress. Do we even pay attention? Right. You know, I think sometimes our representatives, when they're approached, there's some kind of bill. They don't really hear much from their constituents about it. And I think we should be more active in advocating for particular aid packages when they come up. I remember USAID, which, you know, the food that we distributed in Ethiopia that CRS distributed was really food from the United States. It was USAID. So that had to be approved, which it was. Mm -hmm. And my own interactions with national legislators, they're often very open to this because it's just we're talking about human suffering, but sometimes political considerations get in the way, and therefore our representatives need to know that, yeah, we're looking at this, that this is important to us as constituents. So I do think that education on food security is important, just like education on climate change and how it affects hunger issues and food security. Well, I don't know about anybody listening, but I feel like this has been a very challenging episode for me and and really helps me to remember that I need to be more proactive about this. And I think the other episodes on the other corporal works of mercy will probably be the same. Any ideas on resources? I know when I looked up the corporal works of mercy, the USCCB website pops up as one of the the options there. And they've got a little blurb on each of the corporal works of mercy, but any other suggestions on... Well, CRS, Okay. there's a lot on the Catholic Relief Services website about this. And on domestic poverty, there's probably stuff on Catholic Charities USA website. 
there was a whole campaign against global hunger that was sponsored by CRS. Okay. And I think that's ongoing. I've encouraged our Catholic high schools to get involved in the sense of having our high school students be learning about this and to be, to be studying it. And, and I notice our young people really get engaged. So they kind of have this heart for uh, this aspect of Catholic social teaching. So CRS, USCCB, Catholic Charities, those would be the websites I would check out. Okay. And the CRS website is crs.org if people want to check that out, make a donation there and uh, learn about the work that they're doing. And we've done episodes in the past that people could look up if they want to learn more about the CRS and Bishop's involvement there. Are you still on the board? No, I no. my term ended. That's I right. had two terms. Wish I could be, but that was the max that's allowed. Although I'm still in touch, you know, the head of CRS, Sean Callahan, and some of his staff, we still communicate on different things because sometimes I help them out when it comes to some advocacy issues. Well, thank you, Bishop, for another great episode of Truth and Charity. Reminder, we will be talking about the other six Corporal Works of Mercy in future episodes, so be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And before we go, could we get your Episcopal blessing? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.